Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Lara Chat Live, episode number 28. I'd like to uh, welcome our, my co-hosts, uh, Eric Van Johnson and Matt Lance. I'm also your host, co-host, whatever you want to call it, Sean Mises. And we have a very special guest today uh, in, in, um, in Joe Ferguson here. A lot, I'm sure a lot of you would know Joe from Twitter. That's where I see a lot of his tweets and retweets about PHP and He's a pretty uh, darn worthy follow in that world. Um, plus, on beyond that, Joe has also been um, working with OSMI, Open Source uh, Mental Illness. We wanted to, you know, start uh, talking about OSMI and uh, and look, talk a little bit about like the work-life balance. Uh, not so much a technical topic today, but something that's really important as, as developers. I feel that we spend a lot of time working. And not having that work-life balance because we're so addicted to code. I assume same thing stands for you guys, but um, I know Matt definitely guys coding till two a.m. every night. Um, but with that being said, I'd like to welcome Joe and thank you for coming on the air, Joe. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, whenever you want to talk about Osmi, I'm there. I, I love talking about uh, Osmi. Uh, so yeah, where do you want to start? Well, I think first off, let's uh, talk a little bit about um, yourself. You know, what are you doing? What are you up to? What, what you know, uh, excites you in this world? So, so currently, uh, I am on the job market going through the process of finding a new job. I was uh, recently laid off uh, by, an, by my previous employer, which is never a fun thing, but that's kind of what happens when companies merge and, and stuff comes together. So, uh, currently, I'm on the job market and been going through interview process, and uh, that's always always fun to a certain extent. It's always cool to see what's out there, but it's always terrifying too. Uh, other than that, I've been uh, working on open source stuff. Now that I have all this free time on my hands, uh, I've been uh, I did a couple pull requests into Homestead today, and I did a couple pull requests today and yesterday into Laravel IO, uh, and just trying to. Keep up to date with uh, the Fergie, the IRC bot stuff. Uh, did a couple updates to that today. Uh, so yeah, my open source uh, profile is doing very well with me being out of work. So that's just kind of kind of how it goes. I got to keep the the brain going and kind of got to keep uh, keep everything keep all the knives in the block sharp. That's pretty awesome. Um, sorry to hear about your um, the layoff situation. I, I've been there. I can't speak for the other guys. Um, but yeah, it's it's no fun. But uh, you know, it's a bit exciting to venture out and see what opportunities are out there, what different. And so, I wish you luck in that regard. And if anybody's listening and looking for a great developer and a great person, here's your chance, uh, ladies. He's available. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting because this is the first time in my technical career where I've actually been able to. Uh, job hunt out in the open. Uh, previously, it was always uh, the scenario where I didn't want to tell a current employer that I was looking or wanting to leave. So it's kind of always been back channel. I've, I've never never been able to do essentially what I did uh, this time was where I just posted a blog post saying, hey, uh, I, I like to solve really hard problems. I have this kind of experience and I like doing these kinds of things. Uh, if you're hiring, uh, let me know. And uh, that combined with a really awesome network of friends on social media has been re really, really helpful uh, in, in that regard. So 
Uh, I, I'm not at all discouraged uh, by, by this. It's definitely a temporary thing, and I, I'm looking forward to, to finding the next cool thing to work on. So, uh, Joe, one of the things we're going to be talking about today is work-life balance. I'm real curious uh, how you manage that <laughs> when we get to that topic, because I, I didn't realize you were so involved with uh, some of these open source pro- projects that I've kind of been watching over the years. Uh, I think a lot of people know that you're you're the uh, creator uh, maintainer of Homestead, right? That's that's, Ma- that's maintainer, uh, not the creator, but but okay. uh, definitely maintainer. Okay, okay. I didn't realize Fergie was your project as well. Uh, it's actually so I got involved with Fergie about a year to a year and a half ago, where uh, Matthew Turland, who is uh, Elazar on Twitter, was the original author of Fergie. Uh, kind of put a request out to Twitter saying, hey, I, I'm really kind of busy. I'd like to work on some different things. Is there anybody interested in taking this over? And I was in the in the mindset where async PHP sounded really, really uh, interesting to me. And I was like, oh, okay, well, Fergie uses async PHP uh, in React PHP framework. And I was like, okay, that would be a really cool thing to work on. So I contacted uh, Matthew and we talked for a little bit back and forth and uh I kind of came on as like the active maintainer, and uh, shortly after that, we uh, had uh, a longtime uh, contributor to the project and uh, React PHP framework uh, member, uh, Seth John Kewitt, who is uh, Weary Axmus on Twitter and GitHub. Uh, he joined the Fergie project as well, and we've also got Matthew Trask uh, uh, on the project as well. So Matt, Matt Trask is pretty much the active uh, lead developer at the moment. Uh, I am the Fig representative for Fergie, so I kind of watch the the fig mailing list uh for where for your concerns may may come in and matthew terland is kind of in the background kicking us when we're forgetting to do stuff or uh solving the more complex uh domain name domain uh level uh fergie stuff uh when it comes to to to, to that kind of com- complexity so yeah i i just i have this this uh terrible habit of saying yes to damn near everything <laughs> so homestead uh we're Obviously, Laravel focus. Homestead has been a huge part of the Laravel uh, development ecosystem. Um, we were, we got the chance to talk a little bit of PHP Tech when we we're kind of doing an impromptu roundtable with you uh, on Community Night. And one of the things that came up, and I want to kind of give you a platform to talk about it more even keeled, maybe, uh, is your your opinions on Docker. Where do you see Vagrant and VM? virtual machines in general moving forward do you still think they have a place do you have an opinion on docker what are your thoughts uh so just to set the record straight i absolutely love docker uh despite what you might have heard in the community night recording i don't know if that recording has surfaced on the internet or not uh i might have had a beverage or two so try not to hold that too hard against me also uh despite what it may sound like uh chris uh, Tankersley and myself are very good friends. Uh, Dragon Man Tank on Twitter. Uh, despite what it probably sounded like when we were arguing back and forth, uh, we are really good friends and we do a lot of that in jest. Uh, so at my previous employer, we were about to start building essentially a Docker hosting platform for internal applications uh, for ourselves. And uh, th- I was involved with that a good bit, which is one of the sad things. That was like the saddest part about getting laid off is like I, I, was, I was just in town for this really awesome meeting where we were talking about how we were going to build this container hosting platform for ourselves. And it was going to be really awesome. And now I'm not going to be working on that. But so my, my big, my big thing with Vagrant is 
I learned Vagrant. I'm gonna. I'm. This is like the one chance I get to go like old school, where I was like climbing uphill both, you know, uphill both ways in the snow, because I learned Vagrant when it was barely functional, when it was still mostly Ruby errors, and when you still actually had to kind of know a little bit of Ruby to even understand what was happening. And that was also when it was essentially VirtualBox and VMware were the only things supported uh, in the in the early days when I started playing with it. And it was it was one of those things where I learned that so well from the ins and outs just because you had to at that point in time to even use it. And uh, I didn't want to learn the next new thing, which is kind of how I feel about JavaScript frameworks. Is I is I don't go out and learn the next new thing. I just kind of let it sit for a little while and then I'll go and poke at it a little bit. And uh, I did kind of the same thing with Docker, where Docker was out for a little while. You know, I, I had a couple of friends using it and telling me how great it was. Uh, I looked into Kubernetes a bit uh, and the Docker, uh, the ECS on AWS, the container service they have. Looked into that kind of stuff a little bit and kind of wrapped my head around Docker and really appreciated what it was doing. Uh, my, my the biggest thing that I love about Docker is it's the ultimate uh, the ultimate uh, representation of practice how you play in terms of you're working on a system that is the exact same thing in production, but not but even more to this to the uh, extreme than what virtualization and Vagrant will give you because Vagrant will give you a, a production like environment. Docker gives you, if you want to, it gives you production on your local machine. You can essentially deploy, and that's how you should be doing your Docker deployments. Uh, so it's, it's one of those things where I'm kind of, I'm stuck in this middle ground where I love both of these tools, and I think they have definitely their use cases, because I'm still running into a ton of uh, code out in the wild where it's essentially not ready to be put into a container. So this philosophy of Vagrant is outdated and no longer relevant let's put everything in Docker is, is kind of premature, I think. It's, it's, it's not every application is ready to be put into a container uh, just because it wasn't architected that way. It's just like every piece of uh, code out there wasn't written to be testable, so we can't really test it in traditional methods. You, you would have to refactor it and, and add tests as you're refactoring. So it's one of those cart and, uh, I, I don't know, I think it's apples and oranges, but... I, I love debating back and forth with people because I, I'm starting to get to the in-depth knowledge on Docker where I really understand what's going on under the hood. And I've been like that with Vagrant for a while. But I actually got involved with Homestead because Taylor released version two of Homestead. I think it either the first or the second uh, PHP World Conference. He Right after that, he released the version two of Homestead. And I absolutely hated it because that's when Homestead went to this global install. And that was not at all how I used Homestead. So ultimately, I spent a bunch of time and, and, and hacked up this terrible, terrible library that was essentially per project Homestead. And I, I essentially made a script that only took what you absolutely had to have from Homestead Global and put it into your project repo. The, the idea was you would use this to generate Homestead for your project and you could put it in any project you wanted. Well, I showed that to Taylor and I was like, you know, do you, do you think this has a place in Homestead? Because I would love official native support for this. And I'm also willing to do all the work. I'm willing to help out, you know, whatever you need to, to make this happen. And he kind of uh, looked at it. And then a few days later, he came back to me and said, yeah, let's, let's do a PR and see what it looks like. And it kind of went from there. Uh, and then after lots and lots of triaging issues on, and bug reports on Homestead, he, he just kind of made me a maintainer. And he was like, here, just go deal with this. And that was kind of awesome. <laughs> Keep to the kingdom, all yours. At um, least the Homestead Kingdom. Yeah, that that 
we've had this discussion in the past on a couple other different shows. Um, <clears throat> I think a show we did two shows ago, uh, we had Mohammed Dalt, who did uh, Laradoc, if I'm correct in the name, it uh, the Laraval Docker container. Um, we talked about pros and cons, and I know for myself, I'm duck and vagrant because I grew up in the world of setting up my own server from the ground up, and vagrant made sense. I could still do that. And Docker's got this mysterious step to it that I have to sit down, play with it, and start to understand it. So I, I think I'm kind of in the more on the vagrant side, but kind of stepping into Docker, seeing what it's all about. So um, it's always interesting to hear, you know, people's opinions about Docker. And a lot of it has been very, very positive. So someday I got to make that jump, I guess. Um, so beyond that, I um, wanted to talk a little bit about maybe not so much the work-life balance yet, but let's talk about OSMI. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, meet... Um, What's his name? Uh, Twitter handle Funkatron. Ed Finkler. Yes, Ed Finkler. Thank you. Sorry, Ed, I forgot your name. Um, no, he, he did a really great talk at um, <clears throat> the Seattle PHP conference last year um, on GraphQL. It's a great talk. Um, I really learned a lot and really interesting topic. And then he also gave a talk about OSMI and you know, opening source mental illness. And I had the opportunity to actually sit down and talk with him. I think before his talk, uh, he had a booth outside and we just kind of talked a little bit about, um, at least in my experience, where companies don't really understand the mental illness aspect. And it's kind of a, a, a taboo topic, if you will, where, um, People don't know what opportunity they have to handle their their own mental health and vice versa for companies to be able to support an employee who's going through such uh, issues and considerations. Um, I'd like if you may give us a little bit of uh, some education about OSMI, uh, what it offers, what we can learn from it today, if you don't mind. Yeah, so kind of the uh, the short and sweet version on on what is open sourcing mental illness and why do we call it and, and how do we plan on open sourcing something like mental illness? Because a lot of people who talk to us at conferences, that's the first thing they answer is they're like, okay, I understand open source and I understand mental health is an issue, but how do you open source that? How do you how do you do that? And well, the the first thing we do is where we can, everything we do as an organization is completely open to the public and where we can, we creative license everything we push out uh, just from the aspect of uh, that open source philosophy. I mean, Ed uh, was obviously deep into the PHP community. He's also rooted deeply into the uh, Python community. Uh, so open source is definitely embraced in both of those communities. So essentially what we're trying to do with, with Osmi is... Uh, change the way that people are talking about uh, mental health, uh, specifically in the tech area, because that's kind of where we are. And that's where we have seen the biggest need and the biggest uh, gaps in people understanding uh, that they even have mental health issues. Uh, I didn't know I had mental health issues until I saw Ed at PHP Tech uh, 2014. He was on a panel with uh, the Mental Health Prompt, which is a different organization. Uh, they did a panel where they brought a bunch of speakers uh, in one, one evening uh, during the conference, and they all were talking about mental health issues. 
and uh, Ed was just talking about it was his uh, it was an early version of his uh, stronger than fear uh, mental health and tech uh, talk and he started talking about the issues and some of the stuff that he was suffering from and it was like going down a checkbox for me I was just marking things off and it was it was uh, it was a very awakening experience and you know going back and talking to my wife and talking to other people it's like yes you, you, you do have these issues and it's like, oh, well now I know what all that stuff is now and, and everything makes so much more sense. So some of the things, some of the initiatives uh, that, that Osmi has been doing or has done uh, so far is first and foremost, we send Ed to a lot of events. Uh, and now that Ed is working full-time for the organization, we're trying to uh, shift that a little bit where we're not sending him to as many events, but sending other people uh, like myself, other board members, or other volunteers who want to go and, and spread the message to, to events. So we cover travel costs where we can. Uh, a big thing we did last year uh, in 2016 was we came out with uh, and we worked on and developed uh, three uh, what we call handbooks, uh, mental health and tech handbooks. Uh, we give them away under the Creative Commons license. We worked with a couple of different uh, doctors to help us write this. Uh, that's one of the things is most of the volunteers of OSME aren't uh, therapists. They're not psycho psychologists, psychiatrists. They're, we're, we're, we're not doctors. We're not here to dispense meds or treatment or uh, tell you or diagnosis. I mean, that's not what we do. But it's, uh, we, we worked with doctors to come up with these handbooks about uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act law, which is essentially what your employer uh, can and can't do if you have a disability uh, in, in, uh, in America. Uh, considering uh, in relation to your job. So we have three handbooks. One is a general uh, kind of mental health and tech uh, for both sides, both employers and employees, kind of a general overview. And the second book is uh, a guide for employers, which is aimed at C-level organization uh, members, uh, CTO, CEOs, that kind of thing on how they can uh, be aware and what they can do to change uh, the company culture around mental health and also their obligations as an employer under ADA law. And then the third book is aimed at employees, which is their rights and responsibilities as, as it pertains to ADA law. Now, also, we're not lawyers, so, you know, you, know, you, you can't really, you know, we're, we're, we're at best armchair lawyers, so we don't know the law uh, to be able to speak to that. But these handbooks aren't designed to be like your law resource. They're designed to be you know, what are your responsibilities as an employee? What are your employer's responsibilities? And uh, the other, some of the other things we've done is we've produced, produced a video series uh, for C-level executives. It's free on our YouTube. Uh, Ed records as many of his talks as he can. Uh, we've started sponsoring conferences as well as uh, the biggest thing that we started doing early that's kind of what we're really well known for is we started doing a mental health and tech survey every year. And every year we've done it, we've gotten more and more responses. Uh, and what we do with that data, it's essentially a survey on how you feel about mental health and uh, how your employer, how you perceive your employer feels about mental health awareness. Uh, do you have uh, health coverage that includes mental health uh, support uh, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's a relatively medium-sized uh, survey to take. So it, it's definitely not a, not a two-question but what we do is once we have all these results is we put them out on a platform called Kaggle. 
And Kaggle is a data science platform where uh, somebody can just go drop a ton of data and people who are data scientists uh, or data scientist enthusiasts, it's like GitHub for data science is probably the best example where you can go download somebody's data and do all kinds of cool analysis with it. Uh, we've had several people do a lot of really neat things with our, uh, with our data sets. Uh, we've had uh, one gentleman write, he's written three blog posts now uh, talking about trends he's starting to see in some of the data that we've got. Um, so the mental health and tech survey, which is actually something we should be uh, launching uh, for this year relatively soon. Uh, we just finished up a big round of fundraising uh, to get us through the next year. So yeah, we're, we're going to be doing the, uh, the, the, uh, new, the 2017 survey uh, soon. Wow. Interesting. Um, you mentioned uh, U.S. Is this U.S. only, these handbooks, or is it uh, open globally? So the, the ADA laws, unfortunately, yeah, it's going to be U.S. specific. Uh, anybody can go and download the handbooks. Uh, you can get them for absolutely free. Uh, you can get them from, uh, we have a, a store on LeanPub where you can donate some money to us if you want. Totally optional. Uh, so the guidebooks are going to be mostly U.S. specific in terms of law, but they're perfectly reasonable for everyone. I mean, it's just good things to know uh, about it. But yeah, the law specific parts will be unique. Uh, the organization is actually a 501c3 nonprofit, which is essentially, it's a corporation, but it's a, we're not making any money corporation. Uh, so in the U.S., you can actually get tax benefits for donating to the, to the organization. Unfortunately, as it stands now, we don't have any official presence outside of uh, the U.S. in terms of official organizations. Uh, I had golden dreams of uh, having our, our first external to the U.S., uh, our first international chapter or other organization be led up uh, in the U.K. by our board member, uh, Gary Hawken. But uh, it turns out that whole Brexit thing may make that a little bit weird and, and difficult. So we'll, we'll have to. Sean, there's your opportunity. OSMI Canada. Osmie. <laughs> Osmie. That'll be the slogan. We'll have, a little, we'll have a little A added to the stickers. I'm sure Ed can make this happen. We know people. But no, I mean, we're, we're definitely interested in, uh, like, we have a great volunteer network, uh, mostly people uh, in the U.S. and in uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, we're starting to get other people involved, um, and we're definitely, I mean, if you want to get involved, you can email info at osmehelp.org, uh, and that goes to all the board members. Somebody will, we have an onboarding process. Uh, so yeah, we, we, you know, we're definitely looking for volunteers like everybody else, uh, like all the other nonprofits are. Uh, but yeah, if mental health is something that is important to you, uh, we're, we're a pretty awesome organization, but I'm probably a little biased. <laughs> so you, you mentioned, you know, uh, complete, um, uh, it, that's considered a charity, right? The 501c3? Right. We're a 501c3. You can go find, I don't think we filed a 990 yet. Uh, -huh. uh, but yeah, you can go find us on, uh, we are, it's a, it's a, <laughs> I hate to say it this way because it makes it, it feels like it cheapens it, but we're a real thing. I promise. Uh, you can go look us up on all the, uh, the U S charities, uh, sites. Uh, you can, um, if you need, uh, we have an EIN, which is what you use, uh, when you donate, uh, to us to file out your taxes, you can write off that you donated this much money. And, uh, depending on how much money it is, you get a nice little write off, uh, but the big thing that we're going after is actually companies to do it because we can give yeah, companies was, larger financial I gonna, support. I was going to mention that uh, you do have corporate sponsors and Laravel being one of them, 
Um, yes. I guess Taylor stepped up to become a bronze member. I he was, was actually... the first corporate sponsor that oh, signed he? up. Yes, I believe he was the first right. corporate sponsor. Uh, if he wasn't the first, he was the second. Uh, so he yeah, was one Taylor, of the first. Yeah, one of the first uh, for sure. But yeah, he stepped up really early in the process. I mean, we. Yeah, I think it was like day two of Ed going, hey, we should do this. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And we hadn't even flushed out yet. And Taylor was like, yeah, here's some money. And we're like, you're awesome. That's, and he also signed a, uh, we, we bought some of, well, we sold, we bought out PHP Architect of all the Laravel elephants. And then we also had to back channel a few extras and uh, fr- from an undisclosed source. And uh, we had to slide some money his way, but we got hands on some more. And Taylor signed a bunch of elephants for us. Uh, and we gave oh, those nice. away for, during this last uh, fundraiser. So that was a lot of fun uh, to, to make happen and, and see people get really excited about that kind of stuff. That's super nice. You know what and I really like? I, I, I was Sorry, let me to interject here. Right. Go ahead. Sorry, Eric. Um, <clears throat> what I really liked is... What, how Joe said, like, Taylor, is like, I got your money. It's like he's the mafia boss. I got your money right here. <laughs> I guess I you that. guys want to do something? I'll help you out. No, the other thing I was going to mention, and being an old Cake PHP person myself, is to see how uh, Cake DC stepped in as a diamond partner. And, I mean, just that alone, showing the love from the PHP community between Laravel and Cake PHP uh, for these corporate sponsors, that, that has to feel good for, for Ed and the team, huh? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so Cake, P- Cake DC, which is, if, you, if you're not aware, I wasn't aware until Ed explained this to me, uh, Cake DC is the, the company behind Cake PHP, kind of like uh, Zend is the company behind Zend Framework. It's similar uh, between Cake PHP and Cake DC. Uh, they have been supporters of ours from early on, uh, they, and they are the first. They were the first uh, uh, to devote income uh, donations specifically for Ed's salary. Uh, Ed went to Larry and pretty much said, "Hey, I'm going to do this full time." And Larry was like, "Well, we're ready to pledge a thousand dollars a month to your salary for at least a year. Let's let let's see what we can do." So yeah, Cake Cake DC has been really awesome to Osme. Uh, we, we, it's also really great, like you said, to see uh, Cake DC coming into this as well as Laravel. And I would love to get other uh, framework support, uh, especially if we can get those backing companies to support. Uh, also, uh, the PHP Diversity uh, Elephant Project was uh, was helping us uh, as well uh, in terms of uh, kind of awareness and talking about Osme when it uh, as it relates to uh, you know diversity. Uh, during that campaign. So we've been uh, working a little bit with them, uh, very high level kind of thing. Uh, And the company that does the elephants also donated a portion of their profits from last year to Osme this past year, or it was earlier this year or late last year. So we've had tremendous support from the PHP community. Uh, Kind of what we're doing now is not really leaving the PHP community behind, but trying to expand that. And because most of us are from the PHP community, we're trying to get out of that like kind of a bubble and get out into the Python community and the Ruby communities as well. So it's been an experience. It's been really uh, reassuring as well to see all these big companies uh, come onto it, especially a small company like Laravel. I mean, a company with two employees is devoting that much money to, to mental health. That says a lot. Definitely a major prop to Laravel for that. Um, so two questions here I have, uh, Rachelle, a kind of question I have. But so one of the first ones I wanted to ask is um, with regard to, let's say, a company or an individual who works for a company 
what can they do to become a sponsor or a supporter of OSMI? I know you talked about the um, the elephant uh, thing you did, and if if uh, let's say my company wanted to put some money toward OSMI, what do we do? How do we do it? Uh, so you can go to osmihelp.org slash donate, and that will redirect you to a donation page. Uh, you can donate directly there. Uh, if you just want to do like a one-time, uh, here's here's some money, we appreciate you kind of donation. Uh, if you want to get involved and become, like you said, a sponsor or some kind of partner, uh, you would probably want to email Ed and myself uh, at info at osmihelp.org, and we will uh, get back to you as soon as we can on that kind of stuff. Uh, that's it goes through a different process just because what we're trying to do with our corporate partners is we're trying to be genuine partners with them and, and making sure that, hey, what can we do to help your HR department uh, be more aware of mental health issues? What can we do uh, on, on our end to help support you and your employees? So we are trying to do a little bit more of that uh, this next year. So yeah, that's kind of why we do a little bit different of a process there. I'm curious about the HR standpoint that you mentioned there. Um, I guess naive question or thought isn't that um hr job to be aware of, of mental health like is there a disconnect there that you guys have to come in and uh teach them train them well i would assume that that would be hr's job but obviously hr is probably the last department to get staffed in a startup especially in the tech world i think a lot of it is uh, either they're outsourcing the HR to a separate company and the company just doesn't care or isn't aware or that people just don't think it's a problem because they, they look out at their employees. They look out at that amazing open office area that they hired and they just, they see the 50 developers they have working on their VC funding and their second round of funding or whatever. And they're like, everybody's here. Everybody looks fine. Everybody looks like they're being productive. There's nothing wrong with any of my employees. Why do we need mental health care? <clears throat> it's that not something that you can necessarily easily see. So I think that's why it's overlooked so often. Uh, I, I've never been one to be much of an HR person. And so I, I, I'm not sure if that's necessarily what HR's job should be, but I think HR should be aware at the, at the very least aware of what the health coverage of the employer offers in terms of, of mental health. That makes perfect sense. Um, so then as an employee, um, you mentioned earlier uh, watching Ed's talk and you were checking off the check marks like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so let's say as an uh, employee and I want to be able to check off some of these boxes or find out what it is that um, I'm, I, I'm not aware of or, or things that I'm struggling with that I don't even think about it, just a struggle that I accept that I could possibly get some help. If they're like, what, what can I do to find out if, I need this extra support. So there is an excellent book that I, I think, uh, so I believe it was two years ago at uh, Sunshine PHP, Josh Holmes, uh, who works for Microsoft, did a, a, a talk, uh, did a keynote, I believe, at, at Sunshine PHP, and he mentions this book uh, called Driven to Distraction, Recognizing and Coping with Attention Deficit Disorder. And in the back of this book, there is literally a checklist of uh, things that, that you may suffer from in terms of, well, I have trouble starting and finishing a task. I have trouble uh, staying on track. I have, you know, just not really di to di self-diagnose, but to explain what some of these, uh, these indicators could be. And uh, my, my good friend, Eli White, 
uh, who who runs uh, the PHP World and PHP Tech conferences. Uh, he was the first uh, guest that we did on the uh, Osme podcast, and he talks about you know being in that talk and hearing Josh talk about that book, and just like what I was saying with Ed, where you know Eli went through the checklist and and Eli was and we talked about this on the podcast, and Eli was like, well. I just checked all the boxes. I mean, it was, it was this awakening thing. And then I went to the doctor the next week. It was, it was just one of those things where you don't know there's something wrong because you've always been like this. And, and that's one of the hardest things for, for people who, who don't necessarily suffer from mental health issues, who don't understand what people are going through. It's really hard for them because it's, it's the, the old thing of, well, can you just, have you just tried, have you tried just not being depressed or, like if you, uh, you know, if, if people who wear glasses, it's like, have you just tried to squint and, and that'll solve the problem? It's, it's, it's that kind of justification that people assume is the solution when it comes to mental health. It, it's, it's really weird. Uh, so, yeah, I would check out that book, uh, Driven to Distraction. Also, uh, if you want to just, you know, a no monetary investment, uh, just go watch any of Ed's videos. Uh, we keep a resources uh, section on the website. And Ed tries to record as many videos as he can. Uh, I'm really partial to the one that we did uh, that he did at uh, PHP World last year. That was a really awesome uh, version of that one. Uh, he's done quite a few different versions. Uh, he he does tend to take some liberties with some foul language, so be prepared. He he can get a little rowdy, but other than that, yeah, I I think uh, that that's a good place to start. It's funny because uh, in, when I was growing up, I got in computers pretty young but I, I was kind of a, a unique um, case because i always seem to straddle that line between the athletes and the nerds but you know i'm a little older and when i was growing up the the people who are yeah, in nerds, computers you forgot fatter too make sure you mention that for our podcast <laughs> please <laughs> when i was growing up things like asperger's you know that those those weren't diagnoses that were out there. So everybody just kind of everybody just assumed that the nerds who were in the basements working on computers were just inverted people. That they that there was there was they weren't really struggling with anything. They just weren't they weren't social people. And you know, I think we've learned I, I've raised a few kids myself now and I have memories of growing up in situations where I remember that there were there were things going on in my head that I couldn't express that were bothering me and I, I didn't know how to articulate them. And I think we, we grow up in, in a world now where we're a lot more aware of that. Um, it doesn't necessarily make it easier to identify, but we're definitely more conscious of it. Um, but I, I, I don't think we would be where we are with the internet and computer science if, if you know there weren't these, these hyper-focused people uh, who just, you know, this, this was their passion. This, this is what, this is, this is what they, they lived for. So, yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, I have, I have trouble focusing. <laughs> There's a checkbox there. Yeah, um, we'll check that one out. Yeah. I think perhaps, perhaps that would be a good uh, segue into, you know, ourselves as developers in, the struggles we have, the people we work with, what we do to kind of, I, I know myself, Sean, uh, you know, we have families and children. I know Matt's got a very active social life as he's like to brag about. No, no, just kidding, Matt. Just kidding. I can do that to you. But, uh, you know, 
what what do you guys do? Do you guys find it challenging to keep your your social life, your family life, and your work life all balanced and happy? I think I hmm, see this one. I think I can answer because a bit of background for myself. I have a wife and two kids. I have a full time job where I'm a senior lead engineer here, so I'm responsible for a lot of things. Um, I also have my own side projects and products that hopefully become startups or companies someday. Um, I also do a lot of mentorship, um, PHP meetup communities, and of course this podcast. So um, I'm pretty busy, and I don't, I don't know how I balance. I, I don't know. I don't think I balance it well all the time. Um, so the, the way I think my life goes is I come to work, then I go home, have dinner, spend some time with the family, then the family goes to bed, and then I work again. Uh, if I have a deadline, I just work constantly. Um, weekends, I'll get up early and work. Uh, it's, it's something that I've done for so long that I don't know how to be different, if that makes sense. Now that kind of segues into the ment- or, sorry, not that the work-life balance part, where I work a lot and I don't know how to live life without work. Working a lot, I don't know how, if you guys have that same problem. I, I think I think there's a lot of factors to it. Um, I know myself. I I do a lot of self-identifying through my work, so it's it's uh, and I think I think that's the case for a lot of developers or a lot of even just guys in general i think a lot of them kind of identify themselves kind of partially through their employment or, or not necessarily employment but through their career as it were right so i mean i think that adds to the challenges and i mean i know for me it, it's like i love working on stuff but at the same time i burn out sometimes and i'm just like i can feel it you know like i can't i don't want to move i don't want to be more active i'm just like i'm done i'm toast my brain can't think anymore it just needs to stop all things and then i end up doing weird like binge watching of classic tv shows and stuff like that where it's just like nope just need to escape now i'm done for the next little bit but i mean one of the things i I have really admired about the uh the osme group and and just any any of the groups uh that are kind of pioneering these discussion boards is that it, it's, it's not just opening up the community to discussing these matters, but it helps open your, you know, many people to their own, uh, like, I can't remember, I can't think of the right word for this, but it, it opens you up to your own, uh, you know, issues, I guess, is one way to put it. Um, like, it's so, it's so easy to just keep going and just keep moving forward but then when you start seeing how other people are reacting to it or that, you know, maybe what you're going through is actually shared by everyone and, and it's, and it's not really okay. You kind of just get a little more comfortable with the idea of acknowledging that whole situation. So Joe, in, in light of like a work-life balance, um, the way I, I'm viewing OSMI is, you know, more about mental illness, mental health support. Um, is there 
an avenue that OSMI can help with people who are starting to suffer burnout or starting to reach that point of just too much work? I'm not sure that we have anything in place at the moment for, for that kind of thing. Um, I'm not even sure where, you know, what, what, where we would, uh, where we'd start with that. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that, uh, uh, that, that I had a, a long talk with Ed about, um, when he started, when he went full time with Osmi a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ed and I talked and it was, it was very much a, Hey, you are not going to work 24 seven. You are not going to do Osmi 24 seven, uh, because that's going to burn you out and kill you and me because I'm going to have to manage you or somebody's going to have to manage you or some, 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 there's going to be management happening somewhere. And, uh, I, I think with, with Ed being so hyper aware of his, his challenges and his issues that, it, it's very it's easier for him to to and I, don't, I don't know maybe it's easier for him to recognize it's easier for me to recognize when i'm getting burnt out and it's made juggling all of the different things and projects i'm involved with a little bit easier um just to avoid that burnout i burned out hard a couple of years ago uh about in, in july uh my best friend uh had just moved away and i was in total F everything mode. I was, I just shut down. I was just burned out from trying to do, trying to do too much. Uh, work was driving me crazy and it wasn't helping the situation. So I just quit everything I was doing, uh, for about six months and recharged. And I learned a lot about myself in that time, essentially, you know, how I deal with burnout and taking on too much and, and just how I schedule my time. And that's one of the things that I'm constantly trying to, to reevaluate is, is what am I doing with my time and, and how I'm scheduling it. You, you mentioned um, you're better at recognizing when you're, I guess these burnout signs. It, did I t get that correctly? From yeah. You? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm better at recognizing my, when I'm going to get burnout and, and the, the triggers of, of what's going to, of, of where, you know, where I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. That's my number one trigger of, okay, it's time to either, put some things on the back burner or delegate. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's where I think we're in agreement here where over the years I've started to kind of learn some of the same things and be better at, Oh, this is too much. I need to say no, or I need to, and, and, you know, back, back away. And I think one of the things I learned um, is sometimes you hit that burnout point and then you just don't want to do anything. You say, screw it and just disappear. And then, then, you know, that's where everybody starts to get, either get mad, worried, frustrated, and that's not a good place. Uh, so what I've learned is once I've started to feel that kind of burnout, I'll communicate to my clients, to my stakeholder, to my coworker, like, okay, I'm, I'm overloaded. I need help. I, you know, call that out. And I think it's okay to be able to say, hey, this is too much. I need help. And I've found that, um, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that are supportive and they'll say, okay, well, you're, you know, again, does the company have enough money to hire someone to, to, for you to delegate, number one, um, but people are supportive. Um, maybe that deadline isn't as hard of a deadline as you thought. Um, there, there, I think if we always remember to communicate that there is, we can pull back easier and then it's, uh, we don't end up in a situation where people are making assumptions about you. But I also recognize that sometimes it's hard to recognize you're, you're hitting your wall until it's too late. 
Yeah, if you're in a situation where you're you go to an employer and say, "Look, I'm burning out. I'm not able to to do this." If your employer just tells you to to, to buck up and keep going, you're in the wrong job. Uh, that that is a bad manager slash bad employer, and you should you should definitely look to to change that. I have uh, I, I've been in those situations before, uh, not in the tech industry, but I've I've been when I worked retail many years ago. Uh, that was essentially the scenario. Oh, you're tired? Too bad. Go do it. Go go get the job done. And that's something that you've just got to kind of change the, change the situation because that situation is, situation is usually never going to change itself. Uh, As the uh, owner of a small business, I just want to say to the Diego Dev employees listening, we do not endorse Joe's opinions. Why are you watching this? Get back to work. That's <laughs> a fair statement. That's a fair statement. You guys have got better stuff to do. It's funny because, and uh, Sean hit on it as well, deadlines. Um, one of the liberating things I consciously did years ago was stop caring about deadlines for the most part. So, so many deadlines are just these self-imposed finish lines that somebody who typically isn't a developer, some PM somewhere just decided, okay, we'll have this done by, you know, two weeks. And it becomes this massive effort where everybody feels like, oh, this has to be done in two weeks. And, and really, nobody's going to die. Like, the company's not going to lose money. This doesn't have to be done in two weeks. Stay focused on getting your work completed, but don't have this sense of panic where it, it needs to be done. And for the most part... I try to avoid deadlines. I, I'm not a fan of deadlines. Our whole business model, the, the way we structured our company, is to discourage deadlines. Uh, we do this whole retainer um, approach with our clients just so that they don't have the sense of, hey, I'm going to pay you for two weeks. I need this done in two weeks. You know, because it, it, it's, it's an unhealthy, unhealthy situation for everyone involved. So deadlines is something I, I, I'm just so adamantly opposed to. I'm not, not a fan of them at all. You know, last show we had Sanath, who is a project manager that I work with. Maybe we need to get her back and you guys go at it in some kind of battle royale, project manager versus CTO, everyday man kind of thing. And also any Diego dev employees who are still listening, there is your endorsement. There are no deadlines. Um. So we're getting close to the top of the hour here, and I'm going to try and start wrapping it up. Um, we have a, one of the questions from one of our LaraChat members who reached out to me. So I'm just going to pull it up here. Um, so what are some common attitudes that Joe thinks uh, may be key contributed to mental, illth in, uh, mental illness in software development? Uh, was, that was looking for like indicators? Like um, some, some attitudes, like maybe like a project manager or a CTO like Eric or CEO putting pressure on the developer deadline, for example. You have to get this done. And, you know, let's say the developer works 24 hours. I mean, that's, that's not realistic. But uh, those are some things that can lead towards a mental illness, I'm assuming. Are there any other kind of attitudes that can really take an employee or developer's um, mental health the wrong way i i think any 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 situation where you have to make a health make a choice over your health and something else is a red flag 
I don't know that that's necessarily going to lead to a mental illness, uh, but it's definitely a red flag for the environment uh, or that or that job, wh whatever the situation may be. Uh, if any employer or superior is, is holding your health over you like that or expecting long, crazy hours, unless you work for NASA and death is actually on the line with the code you write, uh, it's not really worth your health. I mean, there's there's other jobs out there. There's there's better places to work than somebody that's going to kind of try to take advantage of you feeling guilty because you're not working 40 hours every three days or something. So uh, I, I think the one thing that we try to push with Osme in terms of people who want to help but not, not sure where to start is we really push uh, and advocate for people to go get what's called mental health first aid. Uh, which is essentially a day-long course that you'll go and uh, usually it's some kind of doctor or uh, psychiatrist that, that does these sessions where they teach you how to identify and how to react to someone who may be having a mental health episode or a break or something like that. Uh, the, it turns out the first thing that you say is not, are you crazy? That, that's not what you say uh, to somebody that's having a, a mental health issue. Uh, but in, in all seriousness, it's, it's one of those really good things. Uh, it's just like a standard first aid course on, you know, how do you help somebody that's hurting is how do you help not really handle, but how, what can you do to respond to somebody that you may be suffering some kind of mental health break? Because it's not like they are having a heart attack. It's not, you're not really going to see a, a visible wound, but you're going to see them distraught. You're going to see them suffering in some way, uh, and they're usually going to keep it to themselves. So uh, we're, we're really big advocates of people going out and getting uh, open source, uh, the sorry, the mental health first aid training. Uh, my wife and I are going uh, in July. They're finally coming back uh, to Memphis, or they're doing one in Memphis. So we're going to, to, to be doing that. Uh, uh, Ed has gone through it. Several of our volunteers have gone through it. We highly recommend it. I think that kind of called out to, I guess, my personal mindset of, you know, the, the overworking leading toward the mental health issue. And that's not always the case. There's a lot of other factors in this world that can create um, any mental health illness. So uh, uh, something where I'm assuming the Osme books can help out. Well, the books really aren't going to tell you about uh, indicators or factors uh, it's the books are more about your responsibilities uh, and your um, responsibilities and rights in terms of your employer. Like uh, you can have a disability such as a mental health issue and your employer has to make adequate accommodations uh, for, for that kind of thing, uh, depending on the severity, just like they would if you were in a wheelchair or if, uh, you were missing a limb and you had to have some kind of work adjustment. Uh, that's where more of the, the Osme books are going to, uh, to help. If you're looking for like an indicator thing or a, uh, some, some uh, affliction that you may have that you may think may be mental health based, I would start with that book driven to distraction and go from there. I'm kind of curious about, there's a couple I'm just kind of curious about your opinion on this, Joe. Um, I was actually at a Laravel meetup the other day and they were talking about different one-on-one -on -one platforms. And it seems like that be, that's becoming more and more popular because they're doing Slack integration to create, you know, so I can communicate issues to my, you know, higher ups and stuff like that. And I'm wondering if you see there being an opportunity maybe uh, in those sort of one-on-one, -on -one, you know, apps and stuff like that, or those sort of communication platforms to be able to open up like, you know, not like a, like a, like a machine learning component where it's actually going to analyze 
conversational habits and stuff like that. But do you think there's an opportunity or, or, or a potential ground for, for, you know, helping people learn more about what they may be unaware that they're feeling and stuff like that? I think that could definitely be a thing. So right now I know that there are services out there where uh, you could do one-on-one chats with uh, health professionals, mental health professionals specifically. Uh, it's, a, it's a form of therapy where you can go get therapy like that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, th- I think that's an interesting use case for uh, AI would be uh, uh, speech recognition or analysis on what they're typing, how they're, how they're conveying ideas back and forth to other people. And, and I think that would definitely be an interesting service. I think that technology w- would it's uh, it's really easy to do evil things with that you know, with that kind of stuff, right? But uh, that that sounds that that's definitely interesting. Uh, in terms of like one on one with your managers and stuff, I was in a really lucky situation with my previous job uh, where I could talk to my my direct boss about anything I wanted. I mean, I had a really awesome boss, and he knew all about my issues because I told him because it was like it was this thing where oh hey by the way I'm running a mental health organization now. And uh, that can be a kind of awkward situation where it's like, oh, well, why did you get involved with that? It's like, oh, well, it turns out I have all these things. So I was really lucky and I urge people that if you feel like you can talk to your direct report to uh, on that kind of level, definitely do it. It, it. it definitely explains away a lot of the sick days you may have to take, uh, the non-productive days. It's definitely uh, helpful, but I totally understand if you can't. Uh, I, I have been in that position too, where I would be terrified to tell my boss that I was having a, a bad day. I would just call in with the flu versus call in with depression, right? But they're both totally valid reasons to miss a, to take a sick day and miss a day of work. Well, I think we're probably going to have to wrap up here. Um, I think this topic has been absolutely informative. Um, I can't quite find the right word, but uh, feeling... I'm feeling like I'm going to walk away with my mind opened a bit more. Um, uh, some more research I'm going to have to do to um, learn about uh, mental illness, uh, work-life balance as an individual, as an employer, and as an employee. Um, there's a lot of things that we all can do to improve um, our situations and other people's situations. Um, but I really encourage you know anybody who listened to this on the podcast or the live show later on, um, please check out the website. It's, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, osmihelp.org. That's it. Osmihelp.org. Um, if anybody is a willing donator, please um, get in touch. Um, osmihelp.org slash donate. If anybody is looking for help, there's the books, there's information, um, you know, uh, I guess they can also contact you directly on LaraChat Slack if they're there or Twitter or email info at osmehelp.org. Can't believe I remembered all this. Um, beyond that, I would like to say thank you to Eric and Matt for being co-hosts today. We actually got a couple more words out of Matt today than we usually do. So three cheers, Matt. He's coming nice. along nicely. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do want to take a moment and thank Joe again for coming on this this is such a great topic. Obviously, an hour podcast is not enough time to really kind of get into everything that everyone likes to discuss. But I, I'm I'm glad that that you you came onto the show and gave us an opportunity to to talk through some of this. Absolutely, thanks a lot for having me. I've enjoyed it. And yeah, I guess that with that being said, we have our our GitHub giveaway yearly 
subscription, one year subscription to GitHub. Um, it is June. I know that we actually have a tweet out. I just don't remember that hashtag. Uh, guys, anybody? Bueller? Oh, man. Dang, it just had this up, too. I shut down my tweet deck because I was trying to... I don't know. I don't remember, boss. Uh, it would have been nice if it was something involving... Uh, meltdown. Fire chat meltdown. That's it, right? That seems like a bad... <laughs> bad handle for for the show here, Sean. I, I'm I'm just gonna, I'm was, gonna point that one out. Oh, that was unintentional. Oh boy, <laughs> we're we're gonna be canceled, everybody. No show next next time. Anyway, if you want to win the if you want to win the GitHub one year uh, GitHub personal account, uh, just check Lara Chat Slack on Twitter, all one word, and. Um, Retweet to win. It's there somewhere. Lyric chat meltdown. Yep, that, yeah, that it is. It. <laughs> oh dear. We're all getting fired. <laughs> With that being said, I'm signing off. Have a great um, night and week and cheers, everybody. Life. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Thanks.